Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. I love that movie. Um, that's from The Apostle with the great Robert Duvall, who uh, is probably my all time favorite actor. Not that any of you care. You are like, thanks, Greg. Now we can rest easy. We know who your favorite actor is. I love his work though. But um, every time I see that, I watch that movie, that scene specifically uh, sticks out to me. And I think it's because of just the raw honesty that you see in that, right? He, I mean, there's at one point he just points up and says, God, I'm mad at you. And I think in our Christian circles, we just don't really see that level of honesty very often. But that movie kind of makes me begin to think and wonder, is it okay to be mad at God? Is it okay to be mad at God? And then that question leads to other questions like, man, is it okay to feel disappointed with God? Is it okay to feel let down by God? Is it, man, is it okay to feel like he hasn't come through for us? And I can tell you, like, even asking those questions makes us a little uncomfortable, doesn't it? It's a little bit like, ah, like, ah, man, it feels a little blasphemous or sacrilegious. But I think if we were being honest, most of us at one point or another have been there. We have felt that way, either disappointed with God or angry with God. Maybe uh, a diagnosis came back. Maybe um, somebody close to you hurt you. Maybe a big deal fell through. But in those moments, you, you kind of get angry and you're like, man, God, where are you? And so today I want to wrestle with this question of, man, is it even okay to be mad at God? And if so, how do you appropriately respond? in a different movie, and I realized all my illustrations today were movies, which <laughs> that was just by accident. I, I don't even watch that many movies. It's just one of those weird things. But in a different movie, Save and Private Ryan, there's this scene where this squad is kind of marching across the countryside looking for this Private Ryan, and one of the soldiers is not happy about it. Man, he is just complaining and griping, right? Just going on and on and on to the point where his commanding officers like, hey, dude, you need to shut up. And then this other soldier chimes in and he was the sniper. He was my favorite guy in that movie because he would like quote scripture as he was like shooting, remember that? Um, but he chimes in and says, well, the way I see it, this is a misallocation of resources. To which Tom Hanks is like, please explain. And he's like, the way I see it, I'm a finely tuned, deadly instrument. And this war effort would be better served if I was a couple hundred yards from Adolf Hitler than out here in this countryside looking for uh, this Private Ryan. And Tom Hanks is like, gentlemen, that is how you complain. And then he makes this comment. He says, complaints always go up. They never go down. You see, church, we must confess our disappointment to God. 
in those moments where we're angry with him, in those moments where we felt disappointed or let down by him, we need to confess those to him. And church, I'm here to tell you, listen, God is strong enough and big enough to handle our honesty about what we're feeling. Man, if you feel like he's let you down, then tell him. If you feel like life's unfair, tell him. If you feel singled out, tell him. I believe our tendency in those moments a lot of times is to stuff it or just avoid talking about it. And I think that's what the enemy wants us to do. I think the enemy wants us to take those feelings and kind of pack them away to those deep secret places of our soul where they can just sit there and stew. And what happens is, man, those feelings of disappointment turn into resentment. That resentment turns into bitterness. And then that bitterness just kills us and chokes us spiritually from the inside out. God wants us to come to him with whatever we're struggling with, whatever we're feeling, even if it's aimed at him. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your cares, all your cares upon him for he cares for you. So in those moments, we need to bring it to him. We need to confess it to him. What we need to avoid doing is shutting down the communication and turning our back on the relationship. I mean, as I was searching the scriptures this week, I, I realized the Bible is actually packed full of accounts of people who felt this very way. The Bible's full of stories of in scriptures of people who were, they either felt hurt by God or disappointed by God or let down by God. I'll give you some examples. I don't have time to throw them up on the screens. I'm just gonna read through them fast. But like Job, Job 6.1 says, if only my anguish could be weighed and all my misery be placed on scales, it would surely outweigh the sands of the seas. And then later in verse four, the arrows of the almighty are in me. My spirit drinks their poison. God's terrors are marshaled against me. Wow. Job 7, 11, Therefore, I will not keep silent. I will speak out in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Then you have David, men after God's own heart, but in Psalm 10, 1, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 13, one, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day in the sorrow of my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Psalm 22, two, my God, I cry out by day, but you don't answer. Psalm 35, 17, how long, Lord, will you look on, rescue me from their ravages? Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, 2.20 says, look, Lord, and consider whom have you ever treated like this? I love that one. Lamentations 3.4, he has made my skin and my flesh grow old and he's broken my bones. He has beseeched me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. And I could go on and on because like I said, the Bible's full of people who were experiencing disappointment with God. And we see this with Job and David and Jeremiah, where they felt like at some point in their life that God had not come through for them. 
And they were angry with God. They were mad at God. But listen, they confessed it to him. They brought it to him. They never shut down the communication with him. They never turned their backs on the relationship. If that's you, listen, it's okay to feel disappointment. It's okay to feel let down. It's okay to even be angry. Just bring it to him. You know, I want you to know too that you're not alone. I know for me, when I'm in that place where I feel like life's really unfair right now, I start to think that I'm being singled out, that I'm the only one. And it's a great reminder to me to know I'm not the only one going through tough stuff. In Hebrews chapter 11, it's a famous chapter in the Bible where it basically lists kind of the heroes of our faith. It's kind of like our Christian hall of fame, if you will, Hebrews chapter 11. And there's some amazing stories in here. I mean, some amazing stories of how God came through for these legendary saints in these crazy, miraculous ways. I mean, there's Enoch, who never experienced death, but was just one day taken up to heaven. There's uh, Noah, who built the ark, survived the flood. Abraham, who was given Isaac in his old age and birthed a whole nation. There was Joseph, who went from being a slave to the second most powerful man in Egypt. There was Moses, who led the people out of slavery. Remember, God parted the Red Seas. There was Rahab, Gideon, Samson, who was given the supernatural strength. You had David, the shepherd boy who slayed a giant became king. And then it talks about some of the Old Testament prophets who God did crazy miracles through. And I mean, these stories are inspiring. I mean, it's better than a Hollywood action movie. Some of the stuff, it's good. And it's even better to teach because it gets people all pumped up, all excited about what God can do. But what's fascinating to me about Hebrews 11 is actually found at the end of the chapter. And there's a couple of verses in there that just kind of don't seem to fit. They kind of stick out. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 11. So you have all these incredible stories, inspiring stories of how God came through. And then you get to verse 35. And it says, then there were others. Others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they may gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two, killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. And they were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, that only together with us, they would be made perfect. Man, probably won't hear that preached in most churches. It's not very seeker sensitive. And then of course, Prosperity gospel guys, they wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Because here's all these stories of these famous saints, how God just did these amazing, miraculous things in their lives, but then there were others. 
others who were mocked, others who were beaten, others who were put to death. And I believe, listen, the real heroes of our faith, the real rock stars are these others because they didn't experience God's miraculous provision in their life, but yet they remained faithful even to the point of death. And the Bible says the world was not worthy of them. But as you read that, you have to ask, where was God? Where was their miracle? Where was their supernatural intervention? And in comparison to those other stories in that same chapter, it seems unfair, doesn't it? Which, by the way, side note, comparison, I believe it's the enemy's greatest, one of his greatest tools to get us discouraged and off track. The minute we start comparing our lives to everyone else around us, we inevitably become discouraged disgruntled and eventually angry with God. Comparison's a very dangerous thing. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Matthew 11. I wanna show you this. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew 11 verse one says this. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? And Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. And then listen to what he says. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. This story to me is strange for a couple of reasons. The first one is because you have John the Baptist who's in prison, he's about to be executed. And it says that he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one? Which is a little confusing because John the Baptist was the one back at the Jordan River who said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. It wasn't that long ago that John the Baptist was saying, listen, I baptize with water, he baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So why is he asking Jesus this question? Now, some scholars believe that he was legitimately having doubts. I read a different interpretation that said, really what he was kind of asking is, hey, Jesus, I'm in a tough spot. Are you gonna come through for me? But what's even stranger about that story is Jesus's response. In verse five, he says, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. But then there, that statement in verse six just seems to not fit. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. 
Like, what? Is anyone else like, what does that mean? I believe what Jesus is saying here is something that's a little too uncomfortable and too unpredictable, unsafe for mainstream Christianity today. You see, Jesus is saying, yes, I've done all these things. Yes, I can do all those things. But I may or may not do that for you. Blessed is the one who doesn't stumble on account of me. I may or may not do the same for you. I may or may not heal you. I may or may not cleanse you. I may or may not fix whatever it is you're going through. But blessed is the one who remains faithful in spite of what I choose to do. Man, that's a hard word. But we have to remember, listen, Jesus did not come to bring us a life of comfort and security. He came to bring us a life of meaning and purpose. And Jesus never lied about it. He never minimized, never tried to cover up the danger and the cost of following him. He never said it would be easy. Listen, we've done that. We've tried to make following Jesus more palatable, easier to swallow, if you will. And as a result, listen, we have this entire generation that thinks we have this group plan negotiated with God where we all get the same life filled with comfort and prosperity, right? And then the minute a tragedy happens in our lives, our whole belief system comes crashing down. Listen, this is a tough word. God may choose to heal the person on your left. God may choose to financially bless the person on your right. And guess what? He may or may not do that for you. But blessed is the one who doesn't stumble on account of me. You see, he's laid out a path for you to walk and it's yours, no one else's. And does that seem unfair? Yeah, sometimes. And if you think, yeah, easy for you to say, Greg, you're not walking in my shoes. Listen, we all have stuff. After the first service, I was asked to give a personal example. And I was thinking about it. Listen, I don't understand why God allows certain things to happen and why the path for me to walk is for me to walk and looks different than yours. I know that for me, it's tough when my, my seven-year-old special needs, autistic. He won't have a normal life. And it seems unfair. God, why wouldn't you heal him? 
Blessed is the one who doesn't stumble on account of me. Hebrews 11 says, there were others, then there were others. Listen, you and I, we may be another. I think for some skeptics and unbelievers, they would probably say, well, Greg, isn't that convenient? We're supposed to have faith and trust in this God. But when he doesn't come through, it's because he chose not to. And I would say in response to that, listen, it's not a question of God's faithfulness. It's a question of our perspective. You see, we have a limited perspective. Most times, I can't see past the end of my nose. I'm so fixated on today and what's happening right now. And so concerned about my little world that I don't realize, listen, in comparison to eternity, man, my life here on earth is just a microscopic speck in light of eternity and God's big plan for mankind. One of my earliest memories as a kid and I can't remember where we were headed, where we were going. I just remember I was with my dad. I was a little guy. And we were getting on this elevator. And I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, these people just kept pouring into this elevator. And you got to understand, from my perspective, I just see these bodies closing in on me. And I'm like starting to panic a little bit. And then these hands pick me up and lift me up to where all of a sudden I can see. I can see over the other people's heads. I can see what was going on. I could see where we were going. Listen, and then I began to calm down because my perspective changed. Man, when we look at things with an eternal perspective, you see things differently. You can see that oh, God has already been faithful in the past. He's at work in the present and he's going to continue to work for the good in the future. And no matter what God has in store tomorrow, he's already been faithful. His track record is perfect. Because you see, he didn't come to save me from hardships. He came to save me from my biggest threat, which is eternal separation from God. And he's already done that. He's already intervened. He's already provided us the greatest miracle. The biggest thing I can face on this earth is death, but man, the minute this, my soul leaves this vessel, I will be in heaven where there's no more pain, no more suffering. I will be able to say what the Bible says, death, where's your sting? That's why Paul says in Philippians 1.21, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. And I would argue that even in death, that's when God proves to be most faithful. I think there's gonna be a lot of aha moments when we get to heaven, right? Ah, I get it. It's not about God's faithfulness, it's about our perspective. Going back to Job, we read some of his complaints, if you will. 
the beginning. But you have Job who lost everything, his family, everything he owned. And he was upset with God, angry with God. But then in chapter 38, God gives Job a perspective adjustment. It's kind of like when I was a kid, my parents used to go, son, do you need an attitude adjustment? <laughs> Did anyone else's parents say that? Well, God gave Job a perspective adjustment. And it's harsh. You ought to go back and read it, Job 38. <laughs> where like, God's finally like, okay, I've heard enough. I'm about to speak and you're gonna listen. I mean, it's like harsh. And then after Job gets this perspective adjustment, if you will, from God, he says in Job 42, verse one, says, then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you will answer. My ears have heard you, but now my eyes have seen you. And therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. You see, Job in that moment understood what Isaiah 55 says, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts, they're higher than our thoughts. And there's gonna be things in this life that I just simply can't understand. As smart as I think I am, things that I can't figure out, just things that are too complex, too wonderful for me to know. So Jesus said, blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. And as we close, I know in this room, some of you are in a place where you feel mad at God. You feel disappointed. You just, if you were being raw and honest, you'd just be like, he's let me down. That's how I feel. Maybe you feel like one of these others that we see at the end of Hebrews 11. I wanna to close today by actually reading the first part of Hebrews 12. See, we need to realize, you know the Bible wasn't written with chapters and verses. We put that in later. So the end of chapter 11 flowed into chapter 12. And look what chapter 12, verse one says. I'm gonna close with reading this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. 
Listen, if you feel like that today, if you're feeling like one of those others, that life is unfair, that you've been singled out, God has not come through for you, I wanna encourage you, run with perseverance. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Know that he sees and understands and church, don't lose heart. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are a God that we can run to. That God, we can bring anything that we have that's a burden. We can bring it to you, God. Even in those moments when we feel disappointed or hurt or mad by, at you, God, you still want us to bring it to you. God, I thank you that you have so much patience with us. That God, in those moments when I don't understand, in those moments when everything seems unfair, that God, you are at work and you are sovereign and all powerful and all knowing, but God, you're patient with us in those moments. God, give me the strength Give us all the ability to persevere. God, give us the ability to keep our eyes fixed on you, God, as we run the race, God, as we walk the path that you put before us, God, that we would be found faithful, God. That we would not lose heart knowing, Lord, that you understand, you see us. God, finally, I do thank you that we can stand here today confidently saying, God, no matter what tomorrow brings, you have been faithful. You've already, Lord, intervened and you provided for me that which I don't deserve. As we remember today by taking communion that God, you've done the greatest miracle for us already. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.